What's going on, folks? Uh, this is episode number 165 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. Uh, just joining you on a rainy Monday afternoon in San Diego. Uh, doesn't look like it's too rainy over there in uh, in Arizona, huh, Dom? Nice and sunny. <laughs> no rain in Arizona. No. Uh, but uh, What about you, Sammy? How are you doing? Uh, nice and sunny in Portland, Oregon as well, which uh, uh, I guess. I guess San Diego's the only one getting drenched right now. Yeah, well, if it's raining weird. there, it's probably going to rain here tomorrow. I'm going to look at that right now, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, there's, there's rain coming for Oregon, too. Oh, yeah. 70% chance of rain tomorrow in Tempe, so there you go. Well, shut up. There you go. That, it shows you how slow the offseason is right now. We're talking about weather. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's been slow. Padres aren't really doing much uh, in the last couple of weeks, as we pretty much figured. Uh, teams are kind of solidifying their rosters towards the 2023 season. Um, I'm really surprised there hasn't been any minor league um, invitations to spring or anything from this team yet. Do you expect to see that in the next couple of weeks? I mean, what are you guys thoughts on that? Yeah. I, yeah. I, mean, I think probably in the next couple of weeks, we'll start seeing some, I, I know, I, I think in the past, the Padres, they usually send out like kind of like a mass, like, uh, press release or like a tweet sometimes where they'll say like we've extended non-roster invitations to spring training for these players and it's usually like you know 15 guys 20 guys um, yeah. some of them i'm sure we'll see that were signed this past off season um, some of them are you know top prospects it'll be interesting to see maybe if jackson merrill gets an invitation to big league camp at least for like a week or two um, i mean that, that's the other thing it's you know not as interesting to follow this year for the padres they don't have a ton of top prospects that we'll be able to see in spring training just because, you know, the farm system is a little bit more depleted than it has been in years past, but there are definitely going to be some storylines to follow. I'm sure um, when it pertains to non-roster guys and and also just kind of in general. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting started with that. What do you want to say, Dom? Well, I will say, I actually think that some prospects are going to get more time in spring training this year with the World Baseball Classic happening. You know, you yeah, have Manny Machado, Juan Soto, all those guys are going to be out representing their countries. And I think that's going to open some doors for some of the minor leaguers to get some more professional spring training reps. And I think that can be really cool. So the guys like Jackson Merrill, who are only 20 years old, can see an extending look at the major league camp. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting uh, what they do. But I, I think you made a good point, Dominic. We're going to see Igai Rosario. We're going to see uh, uh, Colway in there. We're going to see a bunch of players that are AAA kind of depth guys that are going to get an opportunity to earn some major league at-bats, at least in the spring, and, and kind of see what they got. So um, it's interesting. I, I expect to see the team bring in some veteran free agent pitchers to, to compete uh, this spring, but we'll see. You never really can really tell what the Padres are doing. Um, they've probably already signed some players. We just aren't educated on who they are yet. So that's just the way it goes. Um, all right, guys, I think uh, we'll take a little break right now and we'll be back uh, with Scott Miller, uh, writer for the New York Times, uh, baseball insider. Uh, he's going to have some interesting stuff to say, I'm sure. Uh, we will be right back after a short break. Welcome back, folks. Uh, episode number 165 of the Padres East, East Village Times podcast. Uh, pleased that Mr. Scott Miller is here. Uh, longtime baseball insider, currently doing stuff for the New York Times. Uh, what's going on, Scott? How are you doing? Good, uh, James. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll tell you, I watched the NFL Conference Championship games yesterday. Yeah. And once we winnow those teams down to the Super Bowl, we get this part of the winner. You wake up Monday morning and it's like, Seems like spring training is right around, right 
close enough yeah. to reach out and touch. You know, it's uh, I always feel that way. You know, Super Bowl time, everybody talks about that, but that's also means time to you know pack the bags and get ready to uh, uh, you know go to spring training. And and the good news is baseball's right right around the corner, literally. Yeah, yeah two weeks is, until pitchers and catchers report. Uh, those who are participating in the World Baseball Classic. There, yeah, World Baseball Classic. How excited are you for that, Scott Miller? It's been, it's been, it's been four years. Uh, we're going to see some exciting baseball. These teams are, are motivated to win. Yeah, they are, and it, it's it is going to be a fun a tournament. Um, you know, it, it's taken me a little while to warm up to it. When they first introduced the World Baseball Classic, um, you know, I thought, boy, I hope. You know, it doesn't lead to injuries and different teams losing players. And I thought it's going to be a disruption yeah. in training camp. And and we'll maybe we get to that in a minute. But you know, the Padres have so many players going. You know, that they're they're going to have to work around some absences. But um, I've kind of gone from that to where I I I see the value of the World Baseball Classic and and I enjoy it. Um, you know, to watch I've covered it in various places. I mean, to see the Latin crowds supporting the Dominican yeah. Republic down in uh, Miami where the Marlins play, uh, that remains indelibly printed in my brain uh, covering a World Baseball Classic in Miami a few years back and, and just the whole carnival atmosphere t- that was there. I mean, obviously carnival in a good way. Um, you know, and then even going back to, was it 2019, I think was the last one, 2019? I've checked. 2017. Time flies. Wow, Doesn't seem that long ago, does it? Wow. Um, thank you. So yes, 2017 when Team USA finally, uh, you know, flexed his muscles, and you know that who could forget the catch Adam Jones made over the fence against Manny Machado. Uh, <laughs> there were some fun, fun moments, and and now you flash forward to this year, and you know Mike Trout finally having committed to play. Uh, when he's got, you know, he's never played and it'll be fun just him alone to see on the big stage. Right. Because uh, best player in the game, uh, one of the best, and, and he hasn't been in the playoffs since 2014. We never see him on the October stage. Um, you know, he's mostly declined home run derbies. He hadn't played in world baseball classic. And, uh, you know, it, it later in his career, it's kind of almost like a coming out party for him. So, um, you know, the Dominican team is just unbelievably loaded. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Is. You know, speaking of the Dominican team, which is absolutely loaded, they won't have Fernando Tatis Jr. playing on that team. Uh, let's move and, and kind of segue into that. Uh, last year was an unfortunate year for, for Tatis as well as the Padres. Um, give me your thoughts on the Tatis situation. And, and did you have an opportunity to speak to anyone in the clubhouse after the, the steroid uh, suspension and, and kind of get maybe their view on, on what was going on? Um, yes, I did. And obviously last August when it happened, everybody was, uh, there were various degrees of disappointment in Tatis Jr. from uh, guys who were angry to guys who were just incredibly disappointed in him uh, to guys that just shook their head. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think, Probably the most important thing now, though, is what the reaction is going to be this spring in the clubhouse when when um, when spring training opens, because uh, it's going to be back to business for him, even though he can't play until April 20th. Um, You know, he can participate in spring training. He can play in Cactus League games and he's got a lot of ground to make up, of course, not having played competitively now since uh, 2021. 
missed the entire year last year, first with a wrist injury and then and then with a steroid suspension. And why I say, you know, I mean, whatever the reaction was last August, you know, now, um, you know, he's apologized to the team. He's had the in-person meeting. Um, now I think guys are pottery players are saying the right things where he's concerned. And a lot of it is because they know when spring camp opens, he's going to be with them now and he's not going to be away from the team. Um, you know, but there's going to still be some fences to men. Tatis is going to have to prove himself again this spring. And, you know, he's going to have to show he's, he's, he's not selfish. He's going to have to show he's a good teammate. He's going to have to show he can still produce and and help them win because that's the other thing. A team coming off of the 2022 National League Championship Series uh, has every hope to get further than that this year. And so a lot of what this is about now in in the Padres uh, in Peoria this spring is they came so close to winning last year. Who in this room now can help us get advance further than we were last year, get to the World Series, mm-hmm. win a World Series. And that's how guys are going to be looking at it right now. And, and Tatis, you know, he should be a key player this year, uh, you would think, um, you know, his health notwithstanding. I mean, if he's in good health, he should he should be one of the key players and one of the guys that can take them further. But again, um, you know, he's got a lot of ground to make up and he's going to have to prove himself. Yeah, Scott, I actually wanted to stick with the topic of Fernando Tatis Jr. I I mean, you know, the past couple of years, so much has gone on in his life, you know, obviously with the shoulder, with the wrist injury, the suspension, all of that. I'm curious to get your thoughts on where the Padres think that he might be most effective to them this year. I think with the signing of Xander Bogarts, everyone kind of assumes that he's going to go to right field or maybe center field or left field um, and that, you know, maybe he'll get some DH starts when he first comes back. But you know, we know the Padres are very creative. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him a couple times at shortstop this year. So I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, where they think he might fit in this year as, you know, as he works his way back from a, a pretty disastrous 2022, like we just mentioned. Yeah, very disastrous. Um, yeah, I, I think outfield is is where his his future is. And it's interesting after they signed Bogarts. Um, we saw two years ago, they they bumped Fernando out to the outfield uh, two years ago when he had the four or five, dis, four dislocations of that shoulder. And they were trying to manage his health, keep him on the field. And they felt like the best way to do that would be to not have him play shortstop. It would be easier on his body to play the outfield. So what we saw then, of course, was he he didn't produce offensively as well. And in my opinion, a lot of people's opinion, but I'll say mine to just take the responsibility. I I thought he moped. I thought he was selfish and immature. And, 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 you know, I think that's what led to that famous dugout scene in St. or infamous scene in St. Louis, you know, when Machado yelled at him and they got into a little dust up. Um, I didn't think Tatis was a team guy and he didn't, behave himself very well. Um, So I think now you go to this year, signing Bogarts, I think the year Tatis had last year, the disaster that 2022 was, he's forfeited now any 
despite how good he was and and what a main cog he was in, in the last couple of years, 2020, 2021, with last year's actions uh, self-imposed, self-induced, the motorcycle accident, breaking the wrist, and then the steroid bust, um, he's pretty much now forfeited the right to dictate where he plays and to behave the way he did two years ago. So from that perspective, I think moving him to the outfield, this is probably the perfect time to do so after they sign Bogarts, because he needs to just keep his mouth shut and go out and do what the team needs and what he needs to do to get back on the beam. And I would anticipate, I mean, the Padres still haven't said, but to me, the way they line up best would be to put Tatis in right field and move Juan Soto over to left field because um, there's going to be a chain do- reaction domino f- type effect in in guys moving positions. Obviously, uh, you know whether it's Hassan Kim over to second base from short and Cronenworth over to first, whatever. But I think the best way we saw last year, you know, I have to say. I was really disappointed in Juan Soto his last ha- his two months or three months with the Padres last year, both offensively and defensively. But let's keep it with defense right now because your question, uh, Sammy, was was Tatis and where he's going to go. I didn't think Soto looked particularly good in right field, and I think probably I'm guessing what the Padres will do. I know what I would do would would start spring training with Tatis and in, in left. Move Soto over to right. I I mean, vice versa. Tatis and right. Move Soto from right to left. Um, I I think Soto is better suited to play left. It's a little bit easier. Um, you know, maybe his arm doesn't have to come into play as much. Um, I I think that's how it ends up shaking out. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the the verbiage that we used was Tatis lost his leverage on where he uh, he yep. wanted to move back to shortstop. So we definitely agree with you on that front. And I kind of wanted to talk about the addition of Xander Bogarts. What, what did you think of that signing? Because obviously not a whole lot of people expected the Potters to go out and play big in that shortstop market. And they didn't just play big. They were one of the big players that are in on Trey Turner. They were obviously in on Xander Bogarts, they got him. Uh, what do you think of that signing and also the 11 year, $280 million contract? Well, the only thing that disappointed me over the winter was after they tried for trade Turner, didn't get him signed Bogarts. As you said, I was disappointed. Carlos Correa ended up going to Minnesota at that point. I'm like, Hey, if you're a shortstop on the free agent market, the Padres, you know, we hear so much about, you know, strong up the middles. Like, you know, you hear about, outfields in the past where it's like teams will brag, Hey, we have three center fielders. That's how it seems like we're that good in the outfield. I thought the Padres are going to maybe go with nine shortstops, you know, and spread them around the, <laughs> around the field, the way things are looking, you know, and then Korea ruins it by signing with the twins. But I, I you know, I, I still remember that day, the end of the winter meetings in San Diego when, when word came that Bogarts and the Padres had agreed to terms and, you know, I mean, I, I have to say I was surprised and I was in a room with a handful of national baseball. The entire baseball world was surprised. I mean, everybody assumed Padres are a shortstop. I think people, in, people saw and heard the talks with Trey Turner. And 
I think they kind of thought, well, that's because the Padres used to have Trey Turner, maybe A.J. Preller regrets he let him get away. And then when Turner signed with Philadelphia, um, I don't think people, it sunk in that people were looking at, that the Padres were fine. We don't turn, we're just going for the best players out there. And if it's another shortstop, it's another shortstop, but that's what happened. Um, You know, I know a couple things here, the Padres under owner, Peter Seidler and, and president of baseball operations, AJ Preller. um, They're in agree or disagree with how much money they're spending with some of the moves they've made. You have to agree and be pressed that they're in it to win and be impressed by that. I, I will say this, you know, there are probably 25 other cities you can point to in the major leagues where their fans are wishing they had an owner like Peter Seidler that's willing to open the pocketbook and do whatever it takes to win. Now, that doesn't guarantee they're going to win, but, you know, Bogarts was one more step. I mean, and it's been a pattern, right? I mean, yeah. More surprised when Padre signed Eric Hosmer a few years back, you know, and then nobody gave him a chance to sign Manny Machado. And then it just keeps going, right? Last trade deadline, they trade for Juan Soto, and they Peter Seidler says he wants to resign, extend Soto. And, um, you know, now with Xander Bogarts, it's just one thing after another. And it's impressive. And and I think my biggest takeaway from the Xander Bogarts is – I should have learned by then because I said I was surprised. I should have learned by then. And I think I have now. I promise I'm never going to be surprised by anything else the Padres do. If they go out and trade for Carlos Correa this spring, I'll be damned if I'm going to be surprised. I'm going to say, yeah, of course they did. (laughs) Exactly. AJ Preller is just, he's flipped a script on on the Padres and then the franchise. It's it's amazing. It's it's an awesome time to be a a Padre fan right now. I mean, it's, there's never been a time like this and it's unprecedented. And it's, I think a lot of the older fans are waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for the fire sale, waiting for, for, for for all hell to break loose because it's just the way that it's been for this franchise for 50 plus years. So, um, you know, speaking about the addition of Bogarts, does this team have the best top three or top four hitters in, in, in major league baseball right now? You know, if if not the best, I'll say nobody has, better top three or four hitters. I mean, I, you know, I, I have to go around the league and look and break things down, but nobody comes to mind off the top of my head where I could say, Oh, they're better. No, I, I think, yeah. you know, the Padres have, have no doubt about it. I mean, you know, but that said though, let's, let's say two things we we're talking about Tatis a little while ago. Um, and as I said, you know, he comes into me, is a little bit of an unknown quantity in 2023. I honestly think with the surgeries he's had, the shoulder, the wrist, I think he's going to come in and he's going to be the Fernando Tatis that everybody knows and once upon a time loved in San Diego. I I think he's going to be that player. But, you know, that's the one thing that a failed steroid test does. It casts doubt over a player. And now, you know, as I said, Tatis has a lot of ground to make up, but mostly if he starts out this season slowly, say, let's say the first month of the season, um, you know, it takes him a little while to get his timing and say the first 30 games or so, say he's 
you know, hitting a buck 75 and his on base percentage is 290. Um, there are going to be a lot of rash judgments. Oh, yeah. See, he was only that good because he was yeah. on steroids. This is the real Tatis. So I think he's going to have to get through that. People are going to have to give him some time to adjust. I think he'll be the old Tatis in time. So to your question about the best three or four hitters, you know, in, in the game, the other thing aside from Tatis, but related to that, I think I mentioned a minute ago, how disappointed I was in Juan Soto and what he did. Um, I mean, I've, I covered the 2019 world series. I was in the stadium. I've covered the Soto his whole career. I've seen him in person. I've seen him on TV when the Padres traded for him. I was one of the ones that said, man, they got one of the great players of the game. And I, I think I'm going to, I chalk it up to, you never know how a guy, no matter how good he is or what his talent level is, you never know how a guy's going to react to the first time he's traded. It's emotional. Yeah. I, I, that's the only thing I can figure with Soto, because I'll tell you what, I, have, I, I know walks are an important part of his game because you know, that that's what leads to the home runs, leads to everything else. He doesn't chase. He doesn't go out of the strike zone. Um, you know, he's very disciplined. Um, and that's all important. And on base percentage combined with slugging is one of the great things in his game. That said, man, when he got to San Diego, I, I've never seen an all-star type player go to the plate, just looking and begging for a walk. I yeah. it just, it yeah. got to that point. I thought that it was like, this guy is, you can see he's not even that confident in his bat because he's like begging for walks. And yeah. I, so I think that's going to change this year. I, I think San Diego is going to be able to see once he, now that he's had the adjustment phase and that's over with, I think San Diego fans are going to, see the real Juan Soto this year, I would hope. Um, but again, to your question, do they have the top three or four bats in the league? Um, those are my two questions I want to see answered with Tatis and Soto. If they all yeah. play up to their potential, no question, the Padres are going to score a ton of runs. And as I said, there's nobody that's going to have be more dangerous with three or four hitters than the Padres. Uh, well, let's let's stick with those top four hitters, because I'm curious, you know, obviously two of them are signed to massive contracts being Tatis and Bogarts yep. for the next, you know, decade plus. The other two, Manny Machado and Juan Soto, are probably going to receive contracts around that length. You know, Machado's already received his 10-year, $300 million contract in 2019. He's eligible to opt out after the 2023 season. And you, know, you could tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it sounds like there's a strong indication that he's going to do so, especially with what we saw on the open market with what guys have been getting. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, the, the likelihood of the Padres re-signing Manny Machado and maybe even Juan Soto as well. I think they've been a little more vocal about signing Machado just because his contract is, you know, he can opt out after this year. But like you said earlier, Peter Seidler has mentioned that he wants Juan Soto to be here long-term. Um, I'm curious because you, you think that they don't have unlimited resources, but I'm curious to get your thoughts and, and see what the likelihood of one or both of these guys being Padres for the rest of their careers are. See now, now here you're trying to 
to trap me because remember a minute ago I said I'm never going to be surprised by what the Padres are can do given what I've seen. So I'm going to say they're going to re-sign Soto for 10 years, Machado for 15 years, and you know bring in others. <laughs> no, seriously, um, yeah, you no, Sammy, you're right. Machado, I do think will opt out after this year because you you hit the nail on the head. We saw what some of these contracts this past winter were. Judge, guys like him, um, Trey Turner. Um, I mean, one guy after another got big, big money. And Machado's still at the top of his game. So if he opts out, there, there's going to be a lot of people after him. So I think he can parlay that into several more big dollar years. Um, I do think the Padres love him and would love to keep him in San Diego. And, and to your point, they can renegotiate. Uh, you know, maybe extend him before he can opt out. Um, I, I, regarding Soto, I know what Peter Seidler said as well. And I've talked to Peter about Soto. And in fact, I did a story for the New York times uh, right after they acquired him. And, and, and I talked to Peter and I love Peter's comment. The art of the possible is here. Uh, I think that's perfect for what they're doing. They are making all things possible. And I, I think he's genuine in wanting to re- to sign Juan Soto, keep him here long term. Um, I think it's more realistic to extend Machado than it is to re- to sign Soto long term. The reason I say that is Soto's agent is Scott Boris, and Boris has a long and storied track record of not having his guys. Resign. He always takes them into free agency because he's always able to perform his magic and get them great contracts. Um, if you look back over the past many, many years with Scott Boris, there are only a couple of guys that he had resign with their team and not take them into free agency. Uh, one was uh, Steven Strasburg, the Nationals pitcher. Uh, that was, I want to say, early in the 2016 season, I think. He was facing free agency later that year, and uh, he stunned everybody and re-signed with the Nationals. But I think that's an exception to the rule where Scott Boris is concerned. And I think the reason Strasburg did it, he he was injury prone. Um, at the time he resigned, he was on a good run with his health. Also, he's a bit of a different cat, Strasburg, and uh, he's unique, and he doesn't um, he doesn't like a lot of as good as he is, he's uncomfortable in the spotlight. He doesn't like a lot of attention. And I think Scott recognized that with Strasburg and didn't want to take him in through the free agent dog and pony show. Uh, plus, as I said, he was healthy and he could get him the good deal with the Nationals. And Stephen wanted to stay with the Nationals. Years before that, Jared Weaver of the Angels was another Scott Boris client that was going to be a free agent that next upcoming off season. And he re-signed with the angels for an under market. Uh, it was a hometown discount, which you never see a Scott Morris client sign. Yeah. But Jared Weaver is a Southern California native. He grew up in the Anaheim area or the Los Angeles area. And he was one of the few guys, Scott Morris clients that told Scott, because theoretically the agent the agents work for the players, right? The players yeah. can direct yeah. them and the players should be the ones calling the shots. In that case, uh rare Scott Boris client did there. Scott J- Jared Weaver called the shots and signed for the hometown discount. But 
other than Jared Weaver and Steven Strasburg, almost everybody uh, that works with Scott Boris goes into free agency. And, uh, you know, Juan Soto is not from San Diego. He wasn't raised in the organization. I mean, it, there's not going to be any hometown discount. And I doubt Soto is going to have emotional ties to request a home, you know, his agent, Hey, I really want to stay in San Diego. So I don't know. We'll see again. I'm never going to underestimate what the Padres can do. And I do think Seidler is very genuine in in his thought right now. I'd like to sign Soto for long-term. Um, but when Soto gets to free, a I expect him to go into free agency and the prices to go off through the roof for those reasons. And you mentioned the Strasburg, uh, contract and it was funny that ended up working out that he became a free agent once again after that 2019 yeah. postseason run and he signed a big contract and hasn't been healthy since that's just the way that it rolls sometimes but there's also a couple other Padres players who are going to be uh, free agents after this season Blake Snell and you Darvish have you heard from anyone within the Padres about if they prefer one of those two guys if they have any interest in bringing them both back or if they're going to say we're going to try and push the development of our pitchers. Yep. Um, there was some talk early at some point during last season, there were some insinuations that they'd like to maybe reach a extension agreement with Darvish before he becomes the free agent. Uh, I personally have not dived deep into that subject yet. Uh, it makes sense, even though Darvish is much older than Snell, that, if they could extend him by two or three years, they would simply because how good Darvish has been and how, how many innings he's pitched for them the last couple of years. And I know they love his work ethic and, you know, he's last year, he stayed healthy the whole year. Um, you know, Snell kind of still leaves you wanting, right? Boy, he, he looks, he can be just as good a pitcher as there is in the game uh, for two or three innings. Then all of a sudden that next inning, you know, it's, it's ball, ball, walk, walk. And he just kind of loses it. Um, I mean, he's still tantalizing to me and, and I'm not saying the Padres won't extend him, or I'm not even saying they shouldn't extend to him, but I, I think he, he's still, um, for as long as Blake Snell has been in the league, he still remains more of an enigma than a guy you can depend on. And that's, I think, the biggest thing the Padres are going to have to decide when they get to the point where they say, are we going to extend this guy? Do we want to keep him around long term? Um, you know, how how much can you trust him uh, to continue developing and, and um, you know, to to not let you down? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, one, at some point you got to think, is this the real Snell? Are we seeing the real Snell that right. is just going to battle inconsistency his whole career? Or is the developmental finally going to happen? Is he finally going to turn the corner and become that ace pitcher that we've all kind of suspected that he could be? Uh, interesting, interesting ideas. I think Darvish is definitely the safer of the two um, and will will likely come back to San Diego. I think he's got some roots here in San Diego as kids kids and stuff so we'll have to wait and see uh what the Padres do in that regard for sure um do you think you know this team does need some pitching I mean if one of those big three go down they're going to be in some serious trouble I mean we talked about the offense but the starting pitching is definitely suspect on this staff do you think that the Padres will stay under the current tax threshold or do you think that they're eventually going to blow past that that's a good question, uh, and you know we'll find out as when when the trade deadline approaches this summer, I guess. But 
I think as much as they want to win. I mean, they went through it. They went past the trade deadline. Last, I mean, the tax threshold last year. And, and I, I don't think they have any shyness about doing it again. I mean, you know, just they're talk about putting your money where your mouth is. That's what they've done the last couple of years. And I think Peter Seidler's desire to win a World Series is as genuine as any owner in baseball's. He wants to do it. He's talked about San Diego, the city, not having won a championship before, you know, any of the major sports. And he wants to be the guy to deliver it. So, you know, I think there's always going to be interest in pitching. I think they're, you're right. After you get you get down to the number four and five slots in the rotation, uh, you know, Nick Martinez is, is going to be an interesting case this year. Um you know, he was so valuable last year as a swingman, obviously in the rotation early in the year, then moving to the bullpen later and and kind of being able to go back and forth. Um, you know, Seth Lugo will be an interesting addition. I, I think Lugo's been pitching out of the Mets bullpen the last few years. He's wanted to start. He's always viewed himself as a starter. In fact, it was a couple of years back during spring training. I was in Port St. Lucie and I talked to him about that. And He's a really good guy, a good team guy. And we talked about how much he wanted to start, but he was with the Mets and, you know, they had brought in at the time, I think Michael Waka and some other guys, and he understood and he's whatever the Mets need, you know, I I want, I just want to win, but I would like to start. Well, now he's getting his chance in San Diego. So, you know, he's, even though he's a veteran and been around the block a few times, there's, I think, a definite desire to prove himself as a starter. Uh, I think this is a good place for him to get that opportunity. So, you know, Martinez and Lugo, we'll see where it goes from there, you know, and then guys bubbling down below. Um, But that I think is probably the Padres biggest, probably their biggest question to me is, you know, the depth in the rotation. And and I, I don't say question like, I, you know, I have all my doubts, but it's it's something that they, they need to prove and that could be an issue and they may have to shore it up as the season goes along. You know, a couple of those guys that we did talk about, too, and, you know, you Darvish, Seth Lugo, they are guys that are going to be participating in the World Baseball Classic um, upcoming in March, along with a lot of other Padres, which we kind of touched on a little bit at the beginning of the interview. Um, I'm curious because it seems like the Padres are going to have more participants than almost any other team in baseball. They've got guys that are playing for a handful of countries from, you know, the United States to Japan to Korea to Xander Bogarts playing for the Netherlands. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on if you think that would be at all detrimental for a team losing maybe 10 of its guys for a, a decent part of spring training. Is that detrimental to the team kind of, you know, becoming cohesive, forming themselves as a unit, or are we just reading a little bit too much into that? They're professional baseball players. They'll make it work. You know, I, I think it can be detrimental. I'm not saying it will be. Um, I think the first the first thought, though, it's a no brainer in that it is detrimental or will be if somebody gets hurt. Right. And then especially if it's a pitcher and then there's always the argument, like, let's say worst case scenario, you know, you Darvish, something happens to his arm. You know, then there's always the people to say, yeah, but that's not necessarily World Baseball Classic. You know, if that injury was going to happen it probably would have happened when he was pitching for the Padres in April. So that's 
the maddening thing about the WBC is if somebody gets hurt, the easy thing is to try to blame it on the WBC, but you're just never going to know for sure. Like, would the guy have gotten hurt if he wasn't in the WBC? So that's always the thing that scares the bejesus out of managers is injuries when they their guys leave their own team and are pitching or playing under somebody else's eye. So hopefully everybody stays healthy. Now, let's assume they do. Um, to your question, it, it's hard to say. I think the Padres as a veteran team and with most of their guys from last year coming back, I think that it shouldn't be that detrimental losing their guys. I, I think they're all vet, you know, we're not talking a young team, they're veterans. They know that what they need to do to get ready for a season. Um, most of them now know each other. I know there's some new additions like Bogarts, but um you would think the the, the biggest thing is gonna be all the chain reaction of the shifting of positions, you know. Um, you know, Bogarts and let's let's assume Ha Sung Kim plays second base. Uh the double play stuff at second base, you know, Bogarts and Kim getting used to each other's double play partners. Where does Kim like the ball delivered to him? Uh, you know, high, low, whatever midsection on a double play relay, you know, where he's got to make a relay, you know, Bogart shovels it to him and then Kim throws the first and vice versa, you know, Kim to Bogarts. That's the kind of thing, the, the timing, all of that, that, isn't going to be worked on, I'm sure, as much as the Padres would like to be worked on uh, because they're going to be gone, or at least Bogarts is going to be gone. So that's the kind of thing I think that could set a team back a little bit. I think chemistry-wise, everything will be fine because, these, as I said, these guys know each other. Um, you know, Nelson Cruz, he's playing. I have to look. I can't remember. Do you guys know, is he in the WBC or not? But whether he is or not, I like that signing because he's a great clubhouse guy. Everywhere he's been, Baltimore, Texas, Minnesota, the guys love him. And he takes a leader. He's a legitimate leader. He's not one of these guys that is said to be a leader, but he really isn't. He is. A <laughs> so from that perspective, uh, Absences during the WBC, when everybody comes back in late March and the Padres have their full team back together, a guy like Cruz, I think, is going to be valuable. Bogarts is a great team guy as well, um, I think. But Cruz is, to me, that million bucks they agreed to pay him is going to be well worth it because, as I said, great clubhouse leader. I think he's a perfect guy that's going to help galvanize the chemistry of the team um he's been through the steroid suspension before as i'm sure you guys have talked about he can kind of help guide tatis jr uh he can help tatis grow into more of a stand-up guy um people forget around here because machado is now the veteran but cruz was with baltimore when machado was just a kid that joined the orioles when he was a young player and i've talked to manny about this this is a couple of years back, this is long before the Padres even thought about signing Cruz. Um, Manny loves Cruz and, and Cruz was instrumental in his development in particular. Um, Manny learned from Cruz, some post game stuff to do recovery, 
um, ways okay. to, you know, I, I, the post game whirlpools, you know, Cruz was big on that. And that was, that was part of his recovery routine after a game and Machado learned some tricks from like that from Cruz. So, um, nice. the, yeah, there are enough guys that are going to be gone from the World Baseball Classic that it's not going to be uh, easy for the Padres this spring. But because of some things like that that I just mentioned, I think they can get through it. Awesome. Awesome little tidbits uh, of information you're, you're providing for us. Thank you. Uh, according to Sports Illustrated, Nelson Cruz is not on the Dominican Republic roster. Yeah. Okay. You know, well, I think he's the general manager. Yeah, that's you're right. Thought, he is. I, I, I think he's the general manager. So he's still going to be in some capacity. Yeah. <laughs> he's recruiting. <laughs> yeah. So he'll be in Miami with them. Yeah. Well, there you so, go. And that's the thing, too. So if he's not playing, but if he's the GM, if he is with the team, you say he's supposed to be in Miami, right? So he's yeah. going to have to make sure he gets his at bats, um, especially given his age and coming off of that eye surgery. So, I mean, I would, I'm sure that AJ Preller and Bob Melvin and Nelson Cruz he either have worked that out or are working it out. Yeah. But yeah. that that's a question right out of the gate, right? Is okay, if Cruz is going to be absent from the Padres camp this spring to be overseeing the Dominican team, um, how does he get ready? I assume you know he's going to take batting practice with the Dominicans, and it yeah. got to make sure you get your work in, and especially coming off of that eye surgery we've heard so much about, which hopefully, after his disappointing year last year, hopefully, uh, I, you never know because he's forty two or whatever. Yeah. He is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it could just be diminishing skills, but yeah. Yeah. you know, if you're a Padres fan, you're hoping that the eye surgery he had, maybe it's not going to make him the Nelson Cruz of 2011 when he was helping Texas get to the world series, but you hope it's, he's still going to have something left after the disappointing season of last year. Yeah. I think the, the clubhouse presence alone is, is valuable for the team. And he signed for a million dollars, which is, which is a pretty good deal for, for the Padres for sure. Um, Scott Miller, thank you so much for your time. Longtime baseball insider, uh, New York times contributor. Uh, I have one question for you before we, before we send you on your way. Uh, sure. It's we're on the cusp of the most anticipated season for the San Diego Padres in a long, long time, if not forever. Yeah. What is your prediction on this team and if they make the playoffs, how far do you think they'll go? Well, I think especially with the playoffs that were expanded last year, now that six teams in each league make it, I, I think at a bare minimum, they they they'll be in the playoffs. I, okay. I think if they if they're not, that's gonna be a whole nother story then. And and there could be a lot of angry and disappointed yeah. people. And there's gonna be people in the organization they're gonna to need to take accountability, all of that stuff. So that's if they don't make it. But I think clearly they've got a, a powerful team. In minimum, they should make the playoffs. Um, I think the Dodgers, it's interesting that they did not go out and spend a bunch of money this year. Yeah. Everything I yeah. hear from Dodgers people um, internally, people a little chatter off the record. Um, it sounds to me like they're basically saving up to take a run at Shohei Otani next winter when he's a free agent. Yeah. I think personally, that's what I think the Dodgers strategy is, but you know, 
that's next year. This year, yeah. they're taking a step back. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Walker Bueller, you know, their pitching rotation, their rotation's weakened because Bueller's still out after Tommy John. I mean, yeah. they're going to be good. Uh, you know, I mean, just because they didn't resign, but, you know, go out and sign a bunch of big money players. But losing Trey Turner, I think, is really going to hurt them. He's one yeah. of the best players in the league, in the game. I mean, he might not have gotten the headlines over there that Mookie Betts got or, uh, you know, Cody, uh, Freddie Freeman. Um, but Trey Turner, I mean, great defensively, runs the bases really well, gave them some speed they didn't have, hit second the lineup, was able to the, – the speed and his base running smarts, he was in scoring position, set the table for the middle of the order guys. Yeah. That's going to be a big loss. Anyway, I without breaking down the whole Dodgers team, I mean, I think the door is open for the Padres to win the division this year. A year ago, I said Dodgers still favorites, but now with Mueller out, um, I, I think – they should set their sights to win the division. And in terms of how far they can go in the playoffs, I mean, you know, they got all the way to the NLCS last year with the Phillies. Now, granted, it's easier to get to the playoffs because there are six teams, but with the extra round, it's also more difficult to keep winning because you got to avoid injuries. Everything's got to go right. Yeah. But yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, this is a world series type team. I mean, you know, I think them, uh, the Phillies, and maybe the Mets are the best teams in the National League. I, I'd say right here as we sit here, as we head into February, we'll see how the things play out. But, you know, I think Phillies, Mets, Padres right now are maybe the three best. And no disrespect to the Dodgers, maybe they're fourth. Yeah, no, it's 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 an exciting time to be a, a Padre fan for sure. And there's just a, a lot of yep. excitement in the air. You can really feel it in San Diego. A lot of people that weren't uh, necessarily following baseball are following baseball now uh, in America's finest city. And and that's a great thing because this the the this franchise has just waited for this moment for a long time. And it's a, it's truly is a great time to be a Padre fan. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for your time. Uh, longtime baseball insider, New York times contributor, author of 90% mental uh, with EFIS ball specialist, Bob Tewksbury, former Padre. Uh, pick that up folks. It's a great book uh, available anywhere. Um, Scott, thank you so much for your time. It's really, uh, it's really nice to, to get some uh, insider information. My pleasure, James. Thanks. And uh, all you guys enjoy the conversation with you guys uh, very much. Uh, let's everybody have a great summer and a great season. And we'll, we'll see you again soon. Great. Thank you so much, uh, folks. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to episode 165 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. That was Scott Miller of the New York Times Baseball Insider. Has also covered the Padres uh, a lot over the last couple of years. It's kind of been like his beat for the New York times wrote that really cool story about Manny Machado and he has dove deep into his brain and also got to talk about Nelson Cruz. And it's yeah. going to be a fascinating spring training leading up to this hyped up season because there haven't really been normal spring trainings of late. If the world baseball classic this year, last year, you had the lockout the year before it was coming off that 60 game season and no fans really there. So different vibe. 2020, of course, you had COVID. So it's really been since the 2019 spring training, which even for the Padres wasn't that normal with Manny Machado not signing until February. So another spring training where there are some teams that are going to have 
pretty normal spring trainings. And that's not necessarily a good thing because they won't have those talented teams that uh, see its players representing their countries in the WBC. But for the Padres, you're going to see a handful of players not be there for a good chunk of spring training. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a different vibe uh, to the start of the season. Uh, I'm excited for the WBC. That's it's, it's, it's awesome to see the passion from, from fans that, that are representing their countries and, and hopefully the U S can make some noise this year. I, I still, they're, they're pitching a suspect when you, when you compare it to other yes. teams, we'll have some, to wait and see. Uh, some news on my point Our our radio station officially submitted credential applications to broadcast the world baseball okay. classic. So nice. I am hoping to be, I'm going to be there regardless, but I'm hoping to be up in the press box for that the world would be awesome. classic. That would be an awesome experience. That would be an awesome experience. There's going to be definitely names to talk about and uh, discuss uh, in the WBC for sure. Uh, Scott Miller was, was awesome. It, it was a great interview. Uh, I loved how he would criticize Fernando Tatis Jr. That, that, that stands out to me. And, and I like to hear that. I, I like to hear that from someone who's in the locker room and, and talking to these players and, and is wise of the situation. Uh, Tatis has a lot to prove this year, a lot, a lot of doubters to, to, to just get rid of. So um, it's going to be a big year for, for Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, I, I love the information we got from Scott. Uh, I don't know what you guys uh, took from the, the interview, Sammy, anything in particular that you, you took from, Uh, the interview with Scott. Yeah, it was great having him on. It was great kind of picking his brain about a bunch of different topics. You know, we touched on the pitching, we touched on where Tatis is going to play and how that whole dynamic is going to look. We touched a little bit on free agency and everything. I I think what stood out to me was really the fact that, you know, it is going to be a little bit more difficult to retain Juan Soto after the 2024 season. I think Scott kind of echoed what a lot of people have been thinking uh, with Manny Machado, where he said that, you, you know, it does sound like the Padres would really like to retain him. And it seems like they would have the inside track to doing so. Um, But he he did make some good points about Juan Soto. Obviously he's a Boris client. Scott Boris rarely uh, negotiates extensions with his clients. And um, you know, Soto is someone who just came over via trade a couple months ago. It's not like he grew up in the organization. Like Scott was saying, he's not going to have emotional ties. He's probably going to go to the highest bidder. He's not really going to have, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's not going to have like a desire to go to a specific location. I feel like he's probably just going to be going after the money. And it it is a little bit intimidating to hear something like that, but it's kind of what we figured, you know, and it's probably what you assumed AJ Preller and Peter Seidler figured when they traded for him back in August. And so just hearing Scott say that it kind of, you know, provokes those thoughts of, all right, like there, there's a very real possibility that he hits free agency and he signs somewhere else after the that that proves the point that this team needs to go past the next tax threshold. They need they need, if they have a, a deficiency, they need to do and and repair it now and and fix it and and bring in a player or two or whatever is necessary in order to win the World Series because time is limited. You have basically two years with this top four offensive uh, capability that they have. Soto will probably likely leave. I mean, let's, let's just, we're, we're I'm, I'm at 70, 30 that he's going to end up leaving. I mean, the Padres just aren't going to be able to afford him, especially if they have to uh, bring back Manny Machado for another a, a big contract. I mean, it's just, it's impossible for them to move forward with four huge contracts, uh, 
two pitchers that are they're pending free agents. Josh Hader's a pending free agent. <laughs> the time to win is now. 2023 is 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 they're built to win now. I think anything less than a World Series title will be deemed a failure for this team. And it seems strange when you're talking about the San Diego Padres, but that's just the reality, right? I mean, they they need to win now. Yeah, yeah. They, they do. But like, if they don't win the World Series, but hey, you win the pennant, I'm not going to be like, oh man, that was disappointing from the Padres. But considering all the resources that Peter Seidler has put into this team, considering all the players that AJ Preller has traded away to get some of the pieces for this team, yeah, you could easily consider it a disappointment. But I, I mean, just the fact that I get to tune on the Padre, I get to tune on Padre games every night and be like, I think they're going to win tonight. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just an incredible feeling. And I really didn't know how to feel about them going into last year. I was on the train that they were going to miss the playoffs last year, or they were going to be that sixth seed and then like barely got in. And I mean, I guess they barely got in. They clinched the playoff spot with three games to go, but it was this year. They're expected to at least make the playoffs potentially win the division, like Scott said. And yeah, let me tell you, yeah. I mean, it's been since 2006 since the Padres won the division. It's wow. been since 2005 since they dropped yeah, you the, guys were, you guys were the kids yeah, no, the, when they dropped the, uh, the the Western divisional champions uh, from the Western metal supply company. Like, can you yeah. imagine the scene now when that happens? Like, I, it would just be incredible. And I, I've shown that video to my friends and like, Oh, that's sick. And I'm like, yeah, it is like, I, I need that. And yeah, I, yeah. I think that'd be really cool. And hopefully the Padres can do it. Obviously, you know, I, I don't ever want to underestimate the Dodgers, but like they don't have the same team that they've rolled out no. there each of the last six years that they've been a shoe in for the division, you know, before that they of course would win the division as well. But you know, that 2016 team where they were really good, but just ran into the Cubs, 2017 World Series, 2018 World Series, 2019, they ran yeah. away with the division and absolutely well, choked. It was glorious, but well, let's, they're let's not that about, team anymore. Well, let's talk about the obvious, the obvious thing, the, the difference between these two teams, and that's player development. And that will be a key to this season. You look on paper, the Padres should beat the Dodgers handily. But traditionally, the Dodgers get production from players out of nowhere. I expect Noah Syndergaard to have a huge year for them. I mean, that that's just the sad reality. And in the same regard, you look at the Padres, Josh Bell, Juan Soto fell off the, fell off the face of the earth. Brandon Drury, even to the, I mean, it's going to come down to player development. The Padres need to improve in that area. If they really truly want to succeed. I don't know, guys, it's, it's going to be uh, an exciting season though, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, you're never going to be able to discount the Dodgers. They're still one of the best run organizations and not only baseball, but all of pro sports. I mean, okay. they've been a perennial playoff team for the past decade. Uh, yep. You know, I, I, even though they lose a handful of guys free agency this past winter, I still fully expect them to go out and win 90 to hundred games yeah. and, you know, be a force. Um, and, and, you know, you just look at it from the standings perspective from last year, the Dodgers won 111 games, the Padres won 89 games. That's a difference in 22 games. So are these additions and subtractions that happened in the off season equating to the Padres surpassing, you know, 23 games worth of expectations and the Dodgers coming down some combination of those two things. I don't know. I, I think that, you know, the 2022 Dodgers were one of the 
best regular season teams of all time. Um, and so, you know, there, there's bound to be some regression there, but that's another thing you got to look at it from. It's like, okay, the Padres could make up 11 games and they could still lose the division. I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are a hundred win team, but you know, have expecting them to regret regress by 20 plus games, I think is foolish. And, you know, the, I, I fully expect them to be competing for the division alongside the Padres. Um, I, I do think it's more level now than it has been maybe ever since, the, you know, at least since the Padres won the division last, but you know, there, there's still going to be a team that you have to look at and consider every year. Yeah. The new Padres slogan should be drop the banner, drop the banner from the Western Mountain Supply Company, drop the yeah. banner. That, that, that was an exciting moment. I, I, I completely forgot about it because it's been so damn long, Dominic, but that to have that banner on the Western metal supply. Oh man. <laughs> We can only hope, folks. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, this was episode number 165. Scott Miller joined us, uh, gave us some insider information, talked about the Padres. Uh, it was great to talk to him. Uh, spring training is right around the corner, and we are certainly excited. Uh, Dominic, we want to take us out of here? Sure. Thank you all for tuning in to episode 165 of the Padres East Village Times podcast. Uh, on behalf of Sammy and James, I... Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed having another guest on this episode. Once again, let us know what you like to, to see as we're going to start ramping up our, our spring training coverage. Uh, James has, of course, given us those player segments, giving us the uh, the players and their salaries. And uh, I've already planned out something I that I want to do. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, but we, we needed an episode off after going on three okay, last okay. episode. Uh, but I, I definitely look forward to having a... Uh, Dom down on the farm report. Uh, obviously can't really do anything for that right now, but uh, you know, we're going to do some segments. We're going to continue to bring on guests, continue to just the three of us talk about the Padres. Uh, let us know what you want to see in the future on this episode. And once again, thank you again to Scott Miller for coming on to this episode. And that's going to conclude episode 165. Make sure to follow and subscribe to the Potter's East Village Times podcast. That way you don't miss another episode and also check out our content on eastvillagetimes.com as we're now going to start ramping up our spring training coverage over there as well. So thank you and hope to catch you next time.